It's good to be together. I love these moments. I grew up going to church, always went. It's one of the things that we did. We didn't have the conversation of what should we do Sunday morning. Every Sunday we, we went to church and that was normal. Uh, I'm now 42 years old, so I've been going to church for a while. But I still have these moments, and today's one of those moments where I thought, oh, I like this. I'm glad we still do this. I'm glad we haven't got out of that habit of doing this. I like being with people, and I like intentionally focusing in the direction of Jesus. It's often said people don't necessarily remember what you say, but they remember how you, they felt. That's been said in business and training and uh, customer service and church and, and anything. And my hope today, you may remember some of the things that are said, but my, my, the prize, the goal is that you would experience an encounter with God. I like that you enjoy being here, but my prayer, my, my goal is that there will be a sweet moment where we encounter Jesus. And for some of us, that may be something that's happened many, many times. It may be a fresh moment for others. That's, that's the goal. That's the prize. That's the hope. So we're going to go big. We're going to talk about God and people. I'm going to introduce something of where we're going over the next few weeks in the month of September. Last week, I said what's inside of us determines what comes out of us. And I made the comment that the important thing is that we recognize that first and foremost, we love God. We seek Him. Jesus said the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all of your mind, your soul, and your strength, everything, and then second, to love others. And we're going to begin to move in that direction of loving others. What does this mean? What does this look like? What's the vision, and where do we fit in? And we're going to talk about the big picture, and then we're going to talk about other moments where there's been sorrow, and other moments where there's been joy, and other moments where there's been an annoying fire alarm that keeps going off and won't stop. And I'll get to that story later on. So keep with me. But most importantly, I want you to hear what Jesus will be saying to you today. So we moved house uh, a few weeks ago. Yesterday was our third Saturday. And Saturdays seem to be a tour of Home Depot, Lowe's, and Ace Hardware. And on some Saturdays, I hit them all. And still on the way home, remember the thing that I forgot. Have you ever gone back to the same shop twice in a day? And you sometimes get served by the same person. And they look at you like, what's wrong with this guy? I am that person. Uh, there's been times where in the first few nights, I woke up and this box is in the room. And for a moment, there is this, where am I moment. I said this to somebody and they looked at me and said, we moved into our house years ago and I still have that moment. Um, the last year has been disorientating for many Last year especially, I remember people saying to me that they had genuinely lost track of what day of the week it was. It's strange. It's easy to become dizzy and disorientated. I want to talk today about the importance of maintaining focus. I remember as a kid going to the park, the playground, and there was one of those merry-go-rounds that spins round and round. And when you're younger, somehow you can stay on them for ages, and now I can't. And I don't know when it changed, but it did. 
And I remember when you were on it spinning round. I remember somebody saying, if you keep your gaze on the same spot, the same tree or the same lamppost, you won't get dizzy. Your body's moving, but your eyes are focused on the same, the same thing. And because of that, you won't get dizzy. I think there's something in that analogy for us. That in a world where it's easy to lose track of what day of the week it is, you watch one news story here and another one here, and they seem to be saying something completely different. It's easy to get confused. I want to encourage us today, this first Sunday in September, to maintain our gaze on Jesus and on what he's saying for us to do. I believe by doing so, we won't get dizzy. I can't tell you that the merry-go-round will stop spinning. It probably won't, but we won't get dizzy. So that's what I want to look at today. So vision, what's the idea? What's the big vision? In my office, can you pass that to me, Sarah? On the wall as I walk in, I've got this. I've showed this to quite a few of you before. And it's a series of words. They're just words. They're not magic words or holy words. They're just words. They're words that give shape to what I believe is something of the vision of God. And it says to create environments where people encounter God. How close do I get to the camera and for the people at home? Like, get out of my front room. (laughs) Create environments where people encounter God. When it comes to vision... It's not my job to tell you or or, or to create a vision and say, this is our vision, because God's already done it. The question that we need to ask is, God, what is your vision, and what part are you inviting me to play in it? That's how I want to frame this. That's what I want to look at. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to begin at the beginning, which is always a good place to begin. Genesis, the first book in the Bible. The word Genesis means beginnings. And we are going to look at some short verses because it begins with God and it quickly leads into people. Genesis 2 verse 7. And the words will appear on the screen. We're going to look at verse 7, verse 18, and verse 22. Individual verses. Genesis 2 verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. There is this formation story that we came from the dust and we return to the dust but there is this moment where the Lord breathed life the Bible that we're reading is probably in English the original version of this text was written in the Hebrew language and sometimes there are different words for the same word that we have in English the word Breathe. The common word in the Old Testament for breathe or breath is ruah, R-U-A-H, which means breathe, and it also means wind. In this passage, and there's only 25 times where this word is used, the word for breathe is neshma, 
And it's a unique word that talks about the breath of the divine being, not just breath in the general sense of everybody else, but unique breath as in this is the breath of God, the creator. This word neshma appears 25 times. The word ruah appears 400 times. It's reserved. It's exclusive. It's unique. It's precious. And it's used to depict the breath of life between God the Father and people, all people, the Neshma. If you look on the next passage, we're going to go verse 18 and then verse 22. Verse 18 says this, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And then Verse 22, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. This opening series of passages talks about God, the divine being, breathing a unique breath of life, the neshma of life, into men and into women. They are unique. They are precious. They are made in the image of God. They are, to quote the Genesis account of things being good, 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 they are very good. They're unique. The passage gives us the idea that we all know that we were made to be in relationship. It's not good for the person, the man, to be alone. This is both a blueprint for Christian marriage, that marriage, while not for everybody, is a gift between one man and one woman. But it's also a picture for humanity. We were made to be in relationship with each other. We don't operate as well on our own. When Terry looks at the camera and says, if you're watching online and you're able to join us, please do. It's not because attendance in the room is important. Actually, it's more effort to put more chairs out. It's because we were made to be in relationship with each other. And in the disconnection of recent times, we've lacked. And when we come together, there's something very good about that. So unique, divine image, God and people. I'm going to tell you some stories. Some of these will be known to you. I want to recognize and honor some occasions. Uh, let's show you the first picture. This is going to appear on the screen here and at home. This is the scene outside of Kabul airport in Afghanistan two weeks ago on Thursday when somebody set off a bomb. It's interesting, and I'm going to take the opportunity to do this, as someone that isn't a citizen of this country, although is married to one, has two daughters that are, I want to comment and commend the sacrifice of this nation in the liberation of freedom on foreign soil the sacrifice, the service for the sake of others uh, over such a lengthy period of time is profound. And the price that some of those families paid uh, is hard to swallow. Because Neshma, the divine breath of God that breathes life into all being, all people. So for the Military personnel in recent days and in previous years that paid the ultimate price in the service and liberation of freedom for others. The reason 
that's hard for us to watch is because we connect with the idea of this neshma, this divine breath. I want to commend the military in this nation, but I want to make a comment about some of the media sources that told part of the story. It is true there were military personnel who lost their lives on that tragic day. It is also true that there were many Afghan civilians somewhere around the region of 170 who also lost their life. And sometimes we notice one story and miss the other story. They were all somebody's father or son or sister or daughter. And the neshma, the unique breath of God, was in all of them. And there's something not right about that. Next picture. A photo of somebody who's very popular in the country where I come from. This is Caroline Flack. She was the presenter of Love Island. In many ways, she was the picture of success. She had achieved it. She had made it. She had everything going on. But so often, as we've learned, especially in the last year, when people's mental health, of which we all have a mental health, if you have a physical health, you have a mental health. We're all on the scale. Sometimes what happens in our public life is different to what happens in our private life. And she had it all but things um, weren't as they should be like many of us she had relational difficulties and challenges and the face that the media saw here was different to what was going on in other places and tragically she died last February uh, death by suicide and it's a shock and it hurts because it's this neshma this divine breath of God in men and women And this last picture, which is quite close to home, this is a guy called Derek, who I met at Sticks and Stones Paul Hall in Abington two and a half years ago. A big character, fun, really fun, a joker. Um, One of those people that walked in the room and suddenly everyone was having a better time than what they were before. Uh, He died two weeks ago Saturday. His funeral was last Monday. He struggled with addictions and some things went wrong. And, uh, and it's a shock. And it hurts because it's the neshma. There is this divine breath between God and creation. So why am I telling you these stories? And, and why is this important? The Genesis account, the why question is more interesting than the what question. Lots of people have studied Genesis and tried to work out dates and formula and things like this. That's kind of interesting, but why is way more interesting? Why is this important? And why, when I tell these series of stories, does it do something to us? It's the why that's interesting. God made people to be in relationship with him. The story begins that God plants a garden and it's beautiful and people are in relationship with him. And it's good. It's very good. It was meant to be that way. So when things go wrong and death enters the world, there's something in us that says, no, this wasn't the way it was meant to be. The grievance and the pain and the hurt is because there is a violation of the created order. It wasn't meant to be like this, and now it is. And these stories aren't as shocking as they should be because there's a familiarity and a pattern 
in this new normal that was never meant to be like this. It was meant to be good. And in that environment, we were in relationship with God. And it went wrong. But that isn't the end of the story. God who created this perfect environment, the environment was messed up by us. But if you read on from Genesis to Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, we see that God continues to love people. He continues to reach out to them. He continues to offer agreements. The Bible uses the word covenant because he wants to be in relationship with people. That was always the plan. This environment that was good where God and all people were in relationship, he still wants that. That's still his goal. That's still his vision. Jesus makes everything different. Jesus makes everything possible. Turn with me to Luke 4. Verse 18 to 19. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We often think of Jesus for his teaching, his signs, his wonders, the incredible things that he did. And fitting, we use the cross as a focal point. But before Jesus did any of those things, we read this of Jesus. Luke 4, verse 18 to 19. This is Jesus' way of introducing himself. And Jesus says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is saying It was always God's goal to be in relationship with people, and I'm going to make it possible for all. Look at these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Jesus is the one who makes it possible for these environments to be created where people encounter him. Jesus says, he has anointed me to do this, and that this is good news, not bad news. In a world where bad news is everywhere and it's quite easy to find stories that are sad Jesus walks in the scene and says I'm going to come and proclaim good news because the tide is about to turn for those who respond and he talks about freedom for those who are oppressed he talks about sight for those who can't see and he talks about the year being now that this freedom is coming Jesus is breathing this Neshma breath for all of creation. And he is the one who's making it possible to restore what was always there. And Jesus was the most effective person at creating environments where people encounter God. In his stories that he told, in the teachings, in the disagreements with the religious leaders, in the generosity in the way he honored the widow's offering, in the way he welcomed the outcasts, in the way he recognized that men and women are both equal and invited to participate in what he was doing. In all of these ways, he was creating incredible environments where people were encountering God. He was the one making it possible, and he was the one that was laying the table, telling stories about a banquet table that everyone's invited to, or going to people groups who were previously excluded and told that they weren't good enough and saying, 
Those are some of the people that get into the party first. He was creating environments where people were encountering God. So if that was the blueprint, the vision, the goal that God had, and Jesus was the one who continued that, he didn't come in with a different idea and say, God did this, I'm now going to do this. The question is, where do we come in? My comment to you is we also don't come in and change the story. We come in and join the story. God's creating environments where people encounter him. Jesus is making it possible. And the invitation that Jesus gave to his followers was to follow him and to do the things that he had been doing. So we also pick up the same task. How do we create environments where people encounter God? I'm looking at in this room. And I know that some of you do this, and you may not know that you do this. I know of counselors who have had conversations with people, who have asked such unique questions or listened in such an honoring way that they've created a space, an environment where people have encountered God. I know educators who have done that in the classroom. I know doctors who have done that, where they've gone in with a medical profession which they've served well, but the person has left asking questions that have led to a far better prescription, a relationship with Jesus. They've created an environment where people encounter God. I know someone who likes to go out on the water on a kayak, and he takes others with them, and sometimes not knowing it's going to happen, he's creating an environment where people encounter God. This is the vision, this is the goal, this is the heartbeat. Why is this important? Because the neshma, the breath of God that's in all people, it's important. Let's look at this passage, John 20. If we read a passage a moment ago that was the beginning of Jesus' ministry, this is towards the end of his earthly ministry, but by no means the end of his work. And the reason I say by no means the end of his work is because he asked us to continue his work. This is the transition moment. John 20, verse 19 to 22. To give you some backdrop, the disciples don't believe in themselves. They're not sure they can do this. They're scared They've seen the persecution, the challenges, and they're thinking that could happen to us too. This is not the church at its strongest. This is potentially the church at its weakest. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. The continuation of God's original goal, vision in Genesis, in Eden, that never changed, that Jesus made truly possible, is now being passed to us, to me, and to you. It's not a pressure. It begins with peace. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. Do you see the reoccurring theme here? 
He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The divine breath, not the normal breath that could be any other wind, but the divine breath is breathed on a bunch of people that aren't convinced that they can do it. That may be me and you. And he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit and continue the work. And I'm using the language that we create environments where people encounter God. What that looks like as a church is in our gathered settings. We want to lead worship. We want to focus Jesus. We want to read scriptures. We want to pray because some people encounter God in powerful ways in those times. I'm one of them. I've had amazing moments when we've gathered for worship and I've encountered God and I'm grateful for the people that helped create that space. From the people you see at the front to the people you don't see at the back, they are helping create an environment where people encounter God. But it also happens in our individual settings, in our conversations with somebody we met playing Paul and I talked to them about Jesus or in the classroom or in the doctor's office or out on a kayak we have the opportunity to create environments where people encounter God because we don't know what's going on in someone's story. And they may look fantastic here, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We just don't know when we're not going to see that person again. But we have an opportunity in some small way or large way to create environments where people encounter him. Last Friday, uh, I got an Uber the car was being repaired. Uh, my daughter Eden came with me. I get in the car. We're sat in the back seat. The guy's got a cross hanging from the wing mirror, which my th- first thing I thought was, that would really annoy me, swinging around as I'm driving. It would really distract me. And I thought, wait a minute, I shouldn't be annoyed at that. There's an opportunity here. So I said, I see you've got a cross. What's that all about? I'd, always, I'd much rather start off a question than let me just go in and t- tell him what I do for a job. He said, well, you know, I kind of believe this. I was like, great, what church do you go to? He said, I don't go to church. The door was wide open. I said, oh, wow, what do you think about this? I think this, this, and this. Um, I ended up talking to him about church and saying, hey, we're here at 10 o'clock. I didn't tell him what I do. If he walks in, sees me up here, it would be, oh, wow, you do that. (laughs) Um, Because that's not the most important thing. Most important thing is that we create environments where people encounter God. Sometimes it happens in a taxi. Sometimes it happens in a church service. It's not a new idea. We saw it in page one. Jesus makes it possible and he passes it on to us. I've got two requests for you and I'm going to end with two different photos. Here's the first one. This is the, a photo. I, I don't play golf, which is why I was taking photos of signs. Not that one, the other one. Uh, I was at a golf course. Grass was perfect. Um, Really, really tidy. And there's this nice fence, and apparently people like to sit on the fence. And the sign, in a very direct English way, please keep off the fence. I saw that and thought, I wonder if that's a challenge for the church. We've been hidden away, almost like the disciples in John 10. And Jesus comes and reveals himself to us and shows the wounds 
and that he's healed and he's back and death is not the end of the story. And whilst we've had a lot of sad news, that isn't the end of the story because Jesus changes everything. And then Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit on them. I don't want to receive the revelation of the risen Jesus, the gift of peace, the breath of the Holy Spirit, and then do nothing with it. Please keep off the fence. Please don't park the gift that is Jesus. Please don't hear the mission of God and do nothing with it. You may not be as enthusiastic to speak to taxi drivers as I was. But you will find yourself in opportunities, in places, in situations, in settings where you have the possibility to create environments where people encounter God. This is not a vision for the leaders. This is the mission of God made possible by Jesus with an invite to his followers to do the same. Please keep off the fence. And then the last picture, which is somber, but it spoke to me. I visited my parents in the town center. There is a place where you can park your cars. You call it a parking lot. I call it a car park. It's the same thing. On the way in, there's the short-stay car park and the long-stay car park. I walked past the short-stay car park, and I saw this sign, and I felt God say, Adam, you're here for a time. Make it count. I made the comment, I'm 42. I read the passage in Genesis. We came from the dust. We will return to the dust. I want to make this moment count. I don't want to miss this moment. I don't want to grow old and wish I had done more, said more, spoken more. I don't want to meet people and have an opportunity and then learn that they passed away and I missed my opportunity. I don't want to miss the opportunity. I don't want to be on the fence And I don't want to assume I've got a long stay. I want to take the urgency and the preciousness of the moment. And I want to encourage you to do the same. So, we moved into a house with these clever, first alert, hardwired smoke alarms. And there was a certificate to say that they had been tested just before we bought the house. Um, We know that they work. They go off four or five times a day, early and late. We believe that this is the culprit. They all flash green, but this one flashes red. The website says that's the one. Um, So it went off so many times on Friday, I said, I've had enough. I unplugged it. I put it in the car. This morning, I had an 8 o'clock meeting next door which I nearly forgot, and I I made it on time. And I got in the car, opened the door, closed the door, started the engine, drove off, and it went off in the car. (laughs) Because the wired smoke alarm has got this battery backup, which I've pulled out, by the way, because otherwise that would be strange to explain. And it went off in the car. And as I pulled off the drive... Being really clever, it told the other alarms in the house also to go off, which was an effective way of getting the girls up to get ready and dressed for church, because I'll be back in an hour's time to pick them up. Um, We've got a replacement coming. But as I was driving half the time here with this still going off, 
It made me think about something. We have the potential to do many things. But sometimes, like the smoke alarm, we're making noise at the wrong time, at the wrong moment. And the message that's meant to be good news sounds like bad news. Or more importantly, we've been distracted from the simple task at hand. Because as I see the vision of God, there's only one task. Create an environment where people can counter him. Because they were meant to be in relationship with him. And they aren't. And they've strayed. And Jesus is bringing them back together. Focus on Jesus. That's the task. But we are using our energy for all sorts of other noises, debates, discussions, and disagreements at the expense of the main thing. And we're missing moments and people and places. And then learning later that some of them are gone. And we wish we could have another moment. We're making a noise, but it's the wrong noise. I want us not to be exhausted but I want us to be effective. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some details of what this looks like for us as a church, some things that we're going to organize together and some things that we want to train and equip people for outside because most of what happens in creating environments where people encounter God isn't Sunday morning. It's your setting in the week. So we want to be intentional about how do we support people as they go to their week and then what things do we want to do together. And over the next few weeks, there's going to be some details of things that you can engage and get involved in. We're kind of putting some traction to some of this. If this is big picture, details are coming over the next few weeks. May I encourage you to make the right noise at the right time. May I encourage you not to sit on the fence. And may I encourage you to recognize that in many ways, we're all in the short-stay car park. Let's make it count. I want to pray, and then we're going to focus on the cross. Why don't we stand? Let's stand and pray. Father, I've spoken many words, but I pray, Lord, for those of us in the room and online that you would speak the words that you want us to remember. Lord, it's not my words that change us. It's when we encounter you that changes us. So, Father, I pray that you would move hearts in a way that only you can. I just want to pause for a moment. Often we forget that you hear by listening. And I just want to pause and encourage you to listen. As Jesus breathed the breath and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift that's available for all. So I want to pray, Lord, may we receive your spirit afresh and speak to us in your words and your ways. If you're comfortable, why don't you put your hands out? This is not a religious act. It's a posture where we say, I want to receive. Jesus, thank you that you walked into the room where there's a bunch of fragile disciples that aren't convinced in themselves. And, and you breathed on them the, the Neshma breath, the divine breath, the unique breath that's reserved between God and people. 
Lord, may we not be compelled out of our own energy or motivation or fear or loss. But Lord, may the Holy Spirit be the fuel in our tanks. I think for some of you even now, the Holy Spirit has been saying some things for a while. And maybe they're about to become louder. May I encourage you to listen. Some of us, like the fire alarm, it works, but it's going off at the wrong time. Lord, I pray that you give us the wisdom to know when to speak and when to be silent. And Lord, I pray for all of us as a church. Lord, I pray for a clarity... that is based on your blueprint, your vision. And Lord, may we not sit on the fence.